Ready? Our evening began in Peter Seychelles' comfortable study in his New York townhouse. Welcome to the official, eh, let's face it, unofficial Beastie Boys podcast known as the Brouhaha. My name is Jim Shear, if you don't know. And uh, if you are listening in order, you should know that today it is the live log part two. Let's play the stinger. Live log part two. Premise is very simple. I am listing and talking about all the times that I saw the Beastie Boys perform live. Does it have to be a full concert? Not necessarily. Because sometimes the, the Beastie Boys would perform on TV. That was only a song or two. So I'm counting every time in my life that I've seen the Beastie Boys live performing a song. Now, I'm not counting the book show. Because I saw that in Brooklyn a few years ago. Mike D, Ad Rock, Mixmaster Mike. They were on stage. I bought a ticket. I bought merch. Their name was on the marquee. But they did not perform any songs live. And if they did, I would have lost my mind. Uh, and before we start, I want to shout out Paco, a.k.a. Corduroy Frames, the genius that is making that stop-motion sabotage project. He got into a little bike wreck like Mike D, although I think Paco has more injuries than Mike D. Broke some bones, is hurt. He emailed me, so he, he's okay. Well, I, I don't know, like, physically if he's okay. I know he was with it because it was a coherent email, but Paco, get well soon. And if anyone's wondering why he hasn't been on social media that much in the last couple of months. That's why. So when he heals up, he will return to that stop-motion animation project that he's working on. And I believe it is accurate to call that a passion project because there is a lot of passion behind that project. All right, so before we begin today, I want to share a, a thought with you. So it was a couple weeks ago, my boy Troy, who has seen the Beastie Boys with me on multiple occasions, he sent me a text message. It was a link to a song. And you know how sometimes you get like a SoundCloud link or a YouTube link and you see the picture, you see an image before you actually hear the song. So the image was black and white. These two young guys, fisheye lens, shoes really big. And you automatically think to yourself, okay, these guys are trying to be the Beastie Boys. Nothing wrong with that because I've been trying to be a Beastie Boy for the last 30 years. So I click on the link and I think to myself, this better be good. Troy, if you sent me a dud, oh man. Because hopefully, I mean, Troy and I have been friends since college. I would hope that he would not send me a dud. I would hope that if there was a group inspired by the Beastie Boys, 
they would be halfway decent. But it's tricky. It's tricky. Because I love the Beastie Boys so much, if someone claims to be a disciple of the Beastie Boys, they got to come correct. If they stink, then I'm, I'm just insulted. So I clicked on the link, and it was this song right here. Step into the scene. No, nobody can do it like me. Zoo pals plate with the kick cuisine. I was the black top king. Three six C's in my green machine. I was a kid and I was breaking down doors. Listening to time, now we on a world tour. We gave them hell and now we gonna give them more. JVB, mighty morphin' like Megazord. Yo, power like Ranger. Range like Rover. Strong that is Joey Valance and Bray with the song Hooligan. So I wasn't immediately turned off. I thought, all right, I'll, uh, I'll dig a little deeper. So then there's this song. And I love that Joey Valance and Bray aren't hiding their love for the Beastie Boys because they reference the Beastie Boys in this song right here. I'm a clown it's not just a show with the Beastie flow when I walk the microphone. I'm going to hit you with that boom bap, make the room slap. Yes, the Beastie flow. As referenced in the song, Underground Sound. So then I said, okay, let's, let's continue to dig. And I really like this song right here. So right now, if you're asking me what my favorite Joey Valance and Bray song is, it's Punk Tactics, which I'll play for you right now. So here's the question. Am I being a victim of the moment? They're giving me what I like. I like the beats. Joey Valance flow is somewhere between Ad-Rock and Mike D. Bray is like a mix between Danny Boy from House of Pain and MC Search and Pete Knights from Third Base. I mean, if Third Base, House of Pain, and the Beastie Boys had a kid, I think it would be Joey Valance and Bray. So I continued to dig. And on YouTube, I found this clip where they were interviewed by Ellen. And I'm glad that Ellen asked the obvious question. You know, hey, you sound like the Beastie Boys. When did you fall in love with the Beastie Boys? Although that is a dangerous question to ask. Because when bands sound like other bands, especially when they reach a certain level, they hate being asked that question. And as a music host, you kind of have to ask that question. I remember I interviewed Muse when they were breaking in the States, and I had to ask them about Radiohead. Because at that point in time, they sounded like Radiohead. Radiohead. 
elephant in the room. So I, I'm glad that Ellen asked Joey Valance and Bray about the Beastie Boys, and here's what they had to say. Well, because y'all are so similar to the Beastie Boys, they had to, I mean, obviously, <laughs> I think people, anyone who likes the Beastie Boys would love you guys. They, did you, obviously, you were influenced by them. Yeah, I mean, like, we have a huge influence from so many pieces and, or people, and, like, they're obviously a, a major influence. And I think just capturing the essence of, you know, that era and, like, our favorite guys like Biz Marquis and Heavy D and, like, all that stuff. It's just... Yeah, just growing up. Capturing it and yeah. us just having... Yeah, we listened to it growing up. And yeah, our dads are playing Beastie Boys, like, Jay-Z, <laughs> yeah, like Black my, Eyed Peas. My dad like. is playing Body Moving by the Beastie Boys while I'm fighting my brother in a Batman costume. Yeah, so, like, so we just grew up just grew up that with stuff. That, that stuff. And, yeah, you know. I didn't grow up like that. Um. <laughs> Isn't it crazy? Isn't it wild that Joey Valance was talking about listening to Body Moving as a kid? Because for years, the conversation was, when I was a kid, I listened to License to Ill, but now it switches. And I've said this before, Hello Nasty is the millennial slash Gen Z Beastie Boys album of choice. So Joey Valance's dad is playing him body moving as a kid. He's got that ad rock and Mike D flow. Teams up with Bray. They take their Beastie Boys pills. And at the moment, I don't know if I would call myself a fan. I definitely don't hate them. And I kind of like them. Now, when I revisit this podcast five months later, I may regret saying all of this. But right now, I think I'm kind of on board. And I'm interested to hear what you say. And maybe I'm totally late to the train on this. Maybe this discussion was happening months ago or last year at this time. But uh, feel free to drop me a message on social media. I'm at Jim Shear. You can always email me at beastieboyspodcast at gmail.com. Do you like Joey Valance and Bray? I think I kind of do. <laughs> Just wanted to get that off my chest. Now, back to the live vlog. Live vlog! Part two. So before we go into today's episode, let me recap the first 10 times that I saw the Beastie Boys perform live. So number one, Lollapalooza 1994, July 19th at the Polaris Amphitheater in Columbus, Ohio. Probably to this day, the craziest live show that I've ever seen. Second time, July 30th, 1994, Lollapalooza 1994 in Burgettstown, Pennsylvania. I believe, and maybe I'm wrong, the first and only time the Beastie Boys played Pittsburgh and it wasn't even Pittsburgh. Third time I saw the Beastie Boys perform live, May 17th. 1995 Quadraphonic Stereo Tour at the Cleveland Convocation Center in Cleveland, Ohio, the same building where the Beastie Boys were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Fourth time I saw the Beastie Boys, June 14th, 1998, Tibetan Freedom Concert at RFK Stadium in Washington, D.C. Fifth time I saw the Beastie Boys perform live, August 14th, 1998, in the round tour, back at the Cleveland Convocation Center, where security, they took away my various quagmire boggle letters made out of poster board. They said no signs allowed in the venue. 
Sixth time I saw the Beastie Boys perform live. October 28th, 2001. New Yorkers Against Violence concert at the Hammerstein Ballroom in New York City. First time I got to see the Beastie Boys in their hometown. Seventh time I got to see the Beastie Boys live. I was on stage introducing them June 9th, 2004, MTV's $2 bill concert at the Hunt Ridge Theater in Las Vegas, Nevada. And apologies to the people in Las Vegas. I can't remember if it's Hunt Ridge Theater, Hunt Ridge Club, but it was Hunt Ridge something. Eighth time I saw the Beastie Boys perform live, I got to host a live MTV show on the night that they released their brand new album, To the Five Burrows, June 9th, 2004. I got to see them perform Triple Trouble and my favorite song of all time, So What You Want Live. Ninth time I saw the Beastie Boys perform live, June 19th, 2004, the K-Rock Dysfunctional Family Picnic at Jones Beach in Wanta, New York. And I gotta fess up right now. I actually went out of order on the last episode. I said the 10th time I saw the Beastie Boys perform live was October 9th, 2004, pageant tour, New York City, Madison Square Garden, the concert that was memorialized in the motion picture Awesome I Shot That. However, the 10th time I saw the Beastie Boys was actually six days before that. So the Awesome I Shot That concert, that's actually number 11 on my list. Number 10, VH1 Hip Hop Honors Hammerstein Ballroom, October 3rd, 2004. And this was a very unique Beastie Boys performance because they come out on stage wearing their black The Fever t-shirts, not red The Fever t-shirts, and they do a cover of Run DMC's Sucker MC's. And then at the end of the night, this felt very unbeastie-like to me. Now, I get that the Beastie Boys are down with Public Enemy, but at the end of the night, they come out on stage and they perform Fight the Power and Bring the Noise. And I think maybe the medley started with Black Steel and the Hour of Chaos, but I remember the Beastie Boys getting into it during Fight the Power and Bring the Noise. And the reason I say it felt unbeastie like because when do the Beastie Boys join another band and do a cover song? Yes, they, they did it with Elvis Costello for the SNL anniversary. But to do Bring the Noise, like this heavy metal version of a Public Enemy song, it just felt out of character. And that's not a bad thing. Like, I'm glad the Beastie Boys did it. It was just unique seeing this happen. Because the Beastie Boys don't do that type of thing often. And also on this night, the Beastie Boys performed what I think is my favorite to the Five Borough song, Right Right Now Now. And do you remember after their appearance on Letterman, hopefully all of you remember their performance of To Check It Out on David Letterman, where they mug for the camera as they're crossing the street, they make their way into the studio, and then they finish the song. Well, after they did that, I felt like every time they were on TV, producers wanted them to do that. Because they did that at the EMAs, and they also did it at VH1 Hip Hop Honors, where they start outside, they rap on the sidewalk, 
they follow the camera as it goes into the venue. So on camera, it looks cool. And I thought it looked the best on Letterman because that's when they did it first. Then they did it a whole bunch afterwards. But when you're in the venue, it kind of sucks because they didn't even show the Beastie Boys on the big screen. All you could do was hear them. And I'm thinking to myself, where are the Beastie Boys? Where are they at? And then near the end of the song, they come into the Hammerstein Ballroom to finish it up. But I wanted to see the entire performance because I love that song. And I've said it before on the brouhaha. That was the only Beastie Boys song that was played at my wedding reception. Now, I was married in 2004. And I thought, you know what? Instead of like bogging down the set list with a whole bunch of Beastie Boys songs, I'm just going to pick one. And at that moment in October of 2004, I was really feeling right, right now, now. All right. So that was the 11th time that I saw the Beastie Boys. Let's get to number 12. Live one! October 16th, 2004. This, this was monumental for me. Because as I was attending more and more Beastie Boy shows, I came up with a little wish list. So I thought, okay, I just want to see the Beastie Boys perform live. And I saw them in the lawn at the Polaris Amphitheater. So then I thought, okay, now I want to see the Beastie Boys closer up in the pavilion seats. So I was able to do that. When I saw the Beastie Boys in Cleveland in 1995, I thought, you know what? I love dancing, but for this concert, I'm going to be right up on the barricade. I want to see the Beastie Boys up close. I also wanted to see the Beastie Boys perform in a giant stadium. I got to see them do that at the 1998 Tibetan Freedom concert. And then I had a, I had a couple more on my list. I wanted to see the Beastie Boys in their hometown of New York. Check. That happened in 2001. And then you may remember during the Tibetan Freedom concert era, MTV would always show a great portion of that on TV. And I always remember seeing people watch the Beastie Boys in this festival setting on the side of the stage. So that was one of my goals in life, to see the Beastie Boys on the side of the stage. And I was able to do that in New Orleans for the Voodoo Fest because I got to interview the Beastie Boys that evening, and I was talking to Big Earl, their bodyguard, who remembered me from the MTV shoot, and then I also talked to our production coordinator from VH1, Frank Ho. So between Frank Ho and Big Earl, I begged them to get me a side-of-the-stage wristband, and they did. And I remember Stephen Smith from Fuse, he was up there with me on the side of the stage, our VH1 producer, Denise Kariki. Uh, Northern State was up on the side of the stage with us, and it was magnifique. It's a beautiful fall evening. The Beastie Boys in their green and yellow tracksuits, and I was ringside for all of the action, and I was not reserved. I went berserk. From start to finish, I was not trying to act like a cool kid and just kind of bob my head. No, I was into it. And then I guess because I was so into it, Sprout from Northern State came up to me after the show. And she asked, are you, are you like friends with the Beastie Boys? And I said, I wish. 
But another thing that I'll never forget, I mean, there's a bunch from this night that I'll never forget. I mean, the backstage area with Sonic Youth and a young Brandon Flowers from the Killers and the Pixies. But I remember being on the side of the stage because you could see the sea of people and then you have to walk up the stairs to get to the stage. And prior to the show, the Beastie Boys were huddled in a circle and you could tell that they were excited for this gig. And that made me feel so good because I think, and maybe I'm wrong, if you ever get to play to a crowd of 30,000, 40,000, 50,000 people, you should never take that for granted. So I am glad that I got to witness the Beastie Boys being giddy, getting in that circle, hyping up for that Voodoo Fest show. And then I had to pass Ad Rock to get to the side of the stage. So I walk up to the top of the stairs and I'm facing Ad Rock and I just gave him a handshake and a hug and I said, have a good show. And you could tell, you could tell that he was pumped for it. So I will never forget that. October 16th, 2004, Voodoo Fest. I finally got to see the Beastie Boys from the side of the stage. That brings us to number 13, another stop on the pageant tour. So when the Beastie Boys announced their tour dates for To The Five Burrows, we knew they were playing MSG October 9th, but later that fall, they added one more show. Nassau Coliseum in Long Island, November 12th, 2004. This would be their last date in the States. Now, I think the Beastie Boys tracksuits are cool. I saw them wear the green and yellow ones a couple times. But I remember seeing pictures and videos online. They had a black and an orange one. And they had a navy blue and powder blue one. And on this night in Long Island, they wore that navy blue and powder blue one. And whoo, did it look cool. Now, I had floor seats for this. So I was just going nuts the entire concert. And remember how I said that during the MSG show, when they came out to do Intergalactic, they went up to the upper deck and did it in my section? I must have been a Beastie Boy magnet in 2004 because when they came out for the encore for this show, they did it in the little sound area in the middle of the floor right where I was standing. So this was the second time I saw them perform Intergalactic up close. And also, what was cool about this show, it was near the end, and they bring out this giant trophy on stage, and they award it to Mixmaster Mike. And I forget what title they gave him or what title they gave the award, but they said, he's the world's best DJ, world's best spinner. So right now, we are awarding Mixmaster Mike world's best DJ. And they brought out this giant trophy and handed it to him. And that ended the American leg of the 2004 pageant tour. And I would not see the Beastie Boys again for another two years. So with that, let's take a little break. And when we come back on the live vlog, live vlog, part two, I'll tell you about the 14th time that I saw the Beastie Boys perform live. Hey kids, gather around for Biz's Beat of the Day. Oh, 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 okay. Let's all do it together with Biz. 
Hey kids, this is business beta today. Okay, here's business beta today. Yum 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 yum. Now practice that at home, and I'll see you later. Happy Halloween! Bye bye. All right, we're back on the brouhaha, the live log part two. During that break, I got some water and I pulled up the Beastie Boys Right Right Now Now VH1 Honors Performance. Damn, that's good. So if you have a chance this week, go to YouTube and watch the Beastie Boys perform Right Right now, now at the 2004 VH1 Hip Hop Honors Award. All right, so we're up to number 14 on my list. Beastie Boys, as you know, in October of 2004, they play MSG. They hand out, what, like 52 cameras. They get fan footage. They finally edit it all together, and they put out the film. Awesome, I shot that. So to promote it, they perform live on David Letterman. I had never been to The Late Show with David Letterman before, but when I found out that the Beastie Boys were performing and I found out the day of, I was making furious phone calls. I said, please, please, you got to get me in. You got to get me in. So fortunately, I had enough clout at the time to get me and Kid Meevan into the Ed Sullivan Theater. And as we were waiting in line, you could hear the Beastie Boys rehearsing. And I heard parts of 3MCs and 1DJ, and I heard parts of So What You Want. And because I am a Beastie Boys aficionado, I knew exactly what was going to happen on this night. I thought, okay, they're going to play a little bit of 3MCs and 1DJ, which will segue into So What You Want, my favorite song of all time. I have no problem with that. So we watched The Late Show with David Letterman. Gave me a new appreciation for David Letterman because just seeing him live, you could tell that he loved doing it. And I didn't always get that when I saw him on TV. But being there, you could tell that he enjoyed his job. What was weird about this night, I was like, oh, cool. Like, what's the top 10 going to be? There was no top 10. I watched Letterman for years. There was a top 10 every night. But the night that I go, no top 10. So the Beastie Boys, and what was cool about this is, Letterman handed out different cameras to people in the audience and different members of the production staff, and they recorded it like the fans did on Awesome, I Shot That. And this is one of the rare Letterman performances where you see the entire theater. Because usually when a band performed on Letterman, you would only see them on the stage, but on this night, you got to see the whole house. And this was also a glorious time for me, because I think it was like that week or the week before the Steelers won Super Bowl 40. So I thought, wow, my favorite team won the Super Bowl, and now I'm at Letterman watching the Beastie Boys perform live. I have the greatest life. So later that night, I went home to watch the performance, and something was a bit off. Because when I saw the performance live, it had a vibe, but then when I watched it back, there were backing vocals that shouldn't have been there. And then I pieced it all together like a great detective. Because I even remember that, I, I forget if Mike D called himself Sweet Lou or Ad-Rock referred to him as Sweet Lou. I thought, oh, wait a second. The Beastie Boys 
got so into it that they did the second verse twice. So I guess after the fact, they went back and they did vocal overdubs and they weren't able to get rid of those ambient background vocals. And I get it, but like part of me was like, it's okay. Like there was a good vibe to that performance. Who cares if you perform the second verse twice? I didn't even notice in the moment. So whenever I see that performance, I'm a little torn. You know, because the Beastie Boys, they would take things seriously, but I also loved when they would mess up in the middle of a song and say, hey, Mixmaster Mike, bring that back. So I, I, I do wish that the Beastie Boys would have kept the original version instead of overdubbing it afterwards. All right, so that was number 14 on my list. That brings us to number 15, March 16th, 2006. Beastie Boys are in Austin, Texas to promote Awesome I and Shot That at South by Southwest. I don't know how many of you have been to South by Southwest. There's always surprise appearances. One year, there was buzz that Prince was going to perform, and he did. And then one year, this year, there was buzz that the Beastie Boys were going to perform live. Because they were in town for the film festival. So I let all of my contacts know that if they heard anything, they had to let me know immediately. Now, in March of 2006, I think I had some weird bug. Or I just had like a really bad cold. So I was... I was really fighting through that week, but I thought, I don't care what I feel like, I'm going to see the Beastie Boys perform live. So I forget what night of the week it was, but I either got a text or a call from one of my friends. It might have been Justin, Justin Prager, who has been on the Brouhaha before, and he said, 7 p.m., Stubbs, Beastie Boys performing live. And I feel like I got the phone call at, 6 or 6.30 or maybe even 6.45. And I thought, holy crap. So Stubbs isn't a huge venue. I mean, any venue at South by Southwest, except the park with the outside stage, is kind of small. So I ran my ass off to Stubbs. Fortunately, I saw JC, who had remembered me from past Beastie experiences. And I said, JC, you gotta hook me up with a bracelet. He gave me the nod, he gave me the bracelet, and I got in. So my memories from this night, Mike D was wearing a red The Fever shirt. I thought that's cool, but it would be even cooler if Ad-Rock was wearing it because that's the shirt that he wears in the So What You Want music video. And Mike D also had a really cool pair of blue campus Adidas on. So he won best dressed of the night. So per usual... I went nuts from start to finish. And what bugged me about this show is everyone was buzzing about the Beastie Boys surprise performance. But I can tell you that 80, 85%, or even 90% of that crowd was dead. Too cool for school. Too cool to bounce. Too cool to get into it. That upset me a little bit but I was still glad to see the Beastie Boys perform live, and I'm still glad that I heard about the show and was able to get a wristband into that show. Okay, so that brings us to October 4th, 2006, a tune-up show for the upcoming VH1 Hip Hop Honors where the Beastie Boys would be honored. This was at the Hero Ballroom in New York City, 
which was a ballroom in a hotel. I had never seen a show there before, and I haven't seen a show there since, and I don't even think it exists. And I don't think it was around for long, the Hero Ballroom, but it was a charity show called Rational Animal. It was like a, an animal charity, and it almost didn't even feel real. And I thought to myself, all right, all right I, I've been in New York City for five going on six years now. I've been to a crap load of concerts. Never been to a concert at the Hero Ballroom. Rational Animal. And I remember going online with ease, getting tickets. No, I know. I, I know. I was working in the business. I could have asked for tickets, but it just felt better for me to secure tickets to know that I had them. It was really easy to get tickets. It was me. Fuzz and Kid Meven. It was actually my band, Deck of Jack. So it was cool having my band see my favorite band. I remember we were watching, I think we were watching a Yankees playoff game in a bar across the street. And I remember thinking to myself, this doesn't seem real. Like the Beastie Boys are really going to perform across the street somewhere in that hotel. So we get to the venue, not a huge venue at all. And I think to myself, I'll believe it when I see it. I felt, I felt like there was a good chance that the Beastie Boys wouldn't even show up, that this was some type of farce or prank. Because I remember in the early 1990s, there was a rumor that the Beastie Boys were going to perform at a rave in Pittsburgh. That never happened. So I thought maybe, maybe that's going to happen today. Like this is just a big ruse set up by someone. So they, they set up the turntables. I'm like, oh, okay, that, that seems kind of legit. Super tiny stage. Mixmaster Mike comes out, and I say, okay, it's, it's really happening. And then the Beastie Boys open up with the perfect song. They open up with Slow and Low. And why was it a perfect song? I'm going to take you back to the Skills to Pay the Bills VHS tape. Remember the live performance of Slow and Low and that? The vibe is just unbelievable. And I remember watching that in high school and through college. I thought, look at this. The Beastie Boys are just tearing it up in this tiny little club in New York City. Man, I would kill to be there. I got my wish. I was in a tiny little club in New York City, and the Beastie Boys were tearing it up with Slow and Low. This might be one of the most unique times that I've ever seen the Beastie Boys because they were at the height of their powers, yet they're playing this tiny little venue in New York City. Something I would dream of as a teenager, and now it's happening to me. I live in New York City, and I can experience cool New York City moments like this. It was all hip-hop. I thought the... Color coordination was amazing for the Beastie Boys on this night. Ad-Rock was wearing blue. Mike D was wearing red. MCA was wearing green. And I thought to myself as the Beastie Boys were zigzagging around on that tiny stage, did they coordinate that? Do they ask each other what they're wearing before a show? Or does it just happen? Like what if two Beastie Boys were wearing red and one was wearing green? Color-wise, it was very pleasing. Set list wise, it was very pleasing. It was an amazing night. And if I had a time machine, I would go back often to the show. 
one of my favorite live beastie experiences of all time, Hero Ballroom, October 4th, 2006. Then three days later, I'm telling you, I I was spoiled in the 2000s. I saw the Beastie Boys get honored at the VH1 Hip Hop Honors Award Show at the Hammerstein Ballroom. So it kind of felt like when I saw the Beastie Boys two years prior. So on this night, they only performed once, but there was a little tribute to them. Q-Tip, Fabulous, and Diddy performed Paul Revere and Hold It Now, Hit It with Mixmaster Mike on the turntables. And then after they left the stage, the Beastie Boys come on stage and perform So What You Want in a little bit of the new style. So as you know, So What You Want is my favorite song. So I was in heaven seeing the Beastie Boys perform this live. And there was even a bonus on this night because there was an audio issue for the first performance. I couldn't tell from where I was sitting, but I guess there was an audio issue with the television broadcast. And it wasn't live, so they had to perform So What You Want again. Beautiful. MCA had his puffer jacket on. Mike D had that red hoodie on. Ad-Rock was wearing a really cool Patrick Ewing shirt with that awesome New York Knicks mesh hat. It's a lovely performance. The only thing that bugged me about that night, the crowd could have been more into it. And I just say that because I forget if it was before or after Fat Joe comes out and performs Lean Back and the crowd loses their mind. And I thought, yeah, Lean Back's a good song. It's not nearly as good as So What You Want. You should have lost your minds during So What You Want. 
So once again, I had a, a problem with the crowd. Like I did at South by Southwest and like I did at Live to the Five Boroughs with the casted audience. So that brings us to 2007. This is the 18th time I saw the Beastie Boys perform live. They are touring in support of their brand new album, The Mix Up, and they have announced three dates in New York City. One at Central Park, another at McCarran Pole, and a third one, a pageant show at the Hammerstein Ballroom in New York City. So let's start with August 8th, 2007, Beastie Boys performing at Central Park. I thought this was cool because I believe that this was the first time that the Beastie Boys performed live in Central Park. Two New York City icons for the price of one. And this was a very casual night because a few songs into the set, and I may be misremembering this, but I think Detchen brought MCA his shoes. Like, he was wearing a different pair of shoes at the start of the concert, and then Detchen brought him his concert shoes. And this was also the night where I decided to make a homemade sign. And fortunately, security at Central Park let me bring in my signs. So I had two. I had one with Rod Carew on it, and then Fuzz came with me. Kid Meven came with us, too, and my wife, Tori. Uh, Fuzz had a sign that says, Rod Carew begs to differ. So when the Beastie Boys played Shore Shot, we held up the Rod Carew sign and the other sign that says Rod Carew begs to differ. Beastie Boys looked at us, they laughed, and then after the song, Ad-Rock said, well, that's not nice. And then later in the night, the Beastie Boys start performing to check it out. I also had two signs for this. I had one that said, watch the finger, and then I had another one, which was a cut-out cardboard number one finger, the size of a poster board. So I remember, as the Beastie Boys kicked into the song, Fuzz and I would flash the signs and then hide them. And MCA caught a glimpse of it, and he just started bursting out laughing. And then when they got to the stop down in the song, sport that fresh... Hold up, everybody. Hold up, I want you to watch the finger. So when they reached that part of the song, MCA said, yo, pass that up here on stage. So we passed up the watch the finger sign. We passed the finger. The Beastie Boys held it high on stage. I was beaming with pride. A creation of mine was now on stage during a live Beastie Boys concert. They held the finger up on stage and they say, just like this, hold your fingers high in the sky. And when I drop mine, you drop yours. Fresh attire. And you know, the, the rest of the song kicks in. And I thought, wow, that's cool. But little did the Beastie Boys know that I had a better prop for the following night. So let's go to August 9th, 2007. The Beastie Boys are playing the McCarran Pole in Brooklyn, New York. Now, McCarran Pole is this huge this huge swimming pool that was cleared out and they were having summer concerts there. And if you travel to Brooklyn now, they actually fixed up the swimming pool and it's a swimming pool again. But in the 2000s, it was a concert venue. So the BC Boys totally got it. They played No Sleep Till Brooklyn, Hello Brooklyn. 
They let the crowd know that even though they've been a band for a long time, this was the first time that they ever played Brooklyn. So when they went into to check it out, I built a mega finger. So on night one, I made a poster board cutout of a number one finger. And on night two, because it's in a much bigger and larger venue, I put four poster boards together, made a number one finger, cut it out. And then we also had another sign that said, watch the finger. And whoever recorded this on their cell phone, thank you so much. Because every time I hear this audio recording, it brings a smile to my face. So I'm, I'm going to just shut up right now, and I'm going to play you what happened at the McCarran Pull on the night of this concert when the Beastie Boys stopped down during to check it out. about that was we have this giant number one finger we're kind of like in the middle of the crowd we're a good we were 40 or 50 yards away from the beastie boys but when mca called for that finger the entire crowd passed that sign up to him in like three seconds and what, what was also cool is that they had kept the finger from the previous night how cool was that scooby-doo and scrappy-doo and then what was also cool is I remember watching YouTube videos from this tour and seeing my cardboard finger pop up at different tour stops. My cardboard finger was living my dream. I wish I could have been my cardboard finger, but I'm glad. I'm glad that my cardboard finger got to tour with the Beastie Boys. McCarran Pole Show, amazing. And it also had that local New York vibe because I remember going into the venue. I remember there was a young girl talking about Lose, which is Adam Yauk's daughter. So Lose's classmates were attending this concert at McCarran Pole in Brooklyn. 
These two nights were just so much fun. Beastie Boys at Central Park, Beastie Boys at McCarran Pole, and up next was the Beastie Boys for a pageant show at Hammerstein Ballroom in New York City. And right now, you're going to think that I'm crazy. I had tickets to the show. I didn't go. Fuzz, who had gone with me both nights, said he was going to drive back to Pittsburgh for the weekend, and his brother had arranged this little fun sports competition. And I thought, man, that would be fun. And you know what? I've seen the Beastie Boys two nights in a row. Both of those times were magnificent. I do want to experience a pageant show where that's just the Beastie Boys on their instruments. And I thought, you know what? I'm good. Like I was, I was riding a high and I didn't need to see the Beastie Boys for a third night as crazy as that sounds leaving my lips. And to this day, I don't regret my decision. It's like when you eat a really good meal and you are like 2,000% satisfied, and then the chef could come out and say, hey, like, let me make you a dessert. And I'm like, you know what? I, I think I'm good. So I could have added to my Beastie Boys total, but I didn't. And that brings us to the last time I saw the Beastie Boys perform live, March 4th, 2008, at Terminal 5. This was a warm-up gig for the Langerado Festival in Everglades, Florida. So I put out the word, hey, who wants to see the Beastie Boys with me? Fuzz came, and Prof D said, you know what? I'm going to make the trip up from Pittsburgh, and I'm going to see that show too. So it was me, Fuzz, and Prof D seeing the Beastie Boys perform live at Terminal 5. And at the time, I was writing a blog for IFC called The Indie Ear. So not only was I attending this show, but I was reviewing this show. And I guess for accuracy purposes, I should just read my review. Time is running, I'm passing, I'm passing, I'm running, I'm running, I'm passing. So you all better get right at this time, because it might be no next time, y'all. Mixmaster Mike arrived on stage first, and as he's done for nearly a decade, loosened up the crowd with one of his signature turntable sonatas. Mixmaster Mike's casual wardrobe suggested that the Beastie Boys were not enforcing a strict dress-to-impress policy on this night. Moments later, Mike D, MCA, and Ad-Rock appeared on stage and answered their seemingly rhetorical question, so how are we gonna kick it? Gonna kick it root down. Though pageant wear was optional, Mike D decided to wear a powder blue, double-breasted sweater. Ad-Rock looked fabulous in a khaki green-collared shirt and fedora, and MCA kept it casually comfy in an untucked red polo shirt. The Beastie Boys followed with flute loop and shore shot. MCA then dedicated Shake Your Rump to a guy who had Paul's Boutique stuck in a stereo for an entire road trip. Mike D pondered aloud, was it a tape? or a CD stuck in the stereo. The Beastie Boys then headed for their instruments and began playing Time for Living. This is where the show hit its first snag of the night as something went wrong with Ad-Rock's guitar setup. Since the hometown gig was a tune-up show for this weekend's Longorado Festival, am I saying the name of that right? Is it Longorado, Langerado, I don't know. 
But uh, the technical glitch was probably a blessing in disguise. Mike D tried to smooth out the situation by claiming, quote, Hey, we had to travel a long way tonight. We were downtown and we came all the way uptown, unquote. After bringing out another amplifier and an array of chords, Money Mark and a stage tech deduced that Ad-Rock's guitar had puttered out. Game off. Game on. Between remote control and Ricky's theme, Ad-Rock apologetically asked the crowd, how much were tickets tonight? $75. Hey, it's live entertainment. Later in the set, per request by Moby, the Beastie Boys performed A-grade on Mojo. Throughout the night, the Beastie Boys didn't stray far from their comfort tracks. Root Down, Short Shot, Shake Your Rump, Pass the Mic, Body Movin', and 3MCs in 1DJ. They did, however, throw in a couple of treats. Money Mark appropriately sang lead on Mark on the Bus, and Mixmaster Mike splendidly reworked Rhymin' and Stealin'. Continuing the tradition of fans displaying finger-themed artwork during the Stop Down and to Check It Out, where Mike D instructs the crowd to watch the finger as he cues Mixmaster Mike to drop a beat, I brought a handcrafted replica of Michelangelo's The Creation of Adam altered with a new drawing of Mike D. After acquiring the artwork, MCA and Ad-Rock told Mike to explain himself. Collecting his thoughts, he improved. New York's a very fashionable town. When I'm not performing, I got a family to feed. So sometimes, to get a little extra cash, I pose for artwork like this. A stagehand took the poster as MCA instructed, keep that one for the files. I'm going to hang it up with all the other naked pictures I have of Mike. <laughs> what? Question Mike. MCA replied, yo, just go to IMDB to see all of Mike's work. The Beastie Boys closed their set with a strong rendition of So What You Want, their tightest song of the night. The encore opened with Intergalactic and ended with Sabotage, highlighted by Money Mark randomly finding his way to the front of the stage during Heart Attack Man and frantically leaping in place throughout the duration of the song. After all these years, he still gets good air. That was my review, and here is the set list from that night. The last time I would see the Beastie Boys perform live and the last time they would perform live in their hometown of NYC. So they opened with Root Down, went into Flute Loop, Shore Shot, Shake Your Rump, got on their instruments for Time for Living, Remote Control, Ricky's Theme, B for My Name, A Great on Mojo. Back to the hip-hop with Triple Trouble, Pass the Mic, Body Movin', Rhymin' and Stealin', Back to Their Instruments for Off the Grid, Tough Guy, Lighten Up, Mark on the Bus, which was a treat to hear Mark on the Bus live, come on! Uh, Sabrosa with All Right Here This bass interlude, then they did Super Disco Breakin', 3 MCs in 1 DJ, should check it out, so what you want. So they leave stage and they come back with the excellent encore of Intergalactic, Heart Attack Man, and Sabotage. There's my list. 20 times that I saw the Beastie Boys perform live. Could have been more. Could have gone to that Hammerstein show. Uh, I could have gone to a Philly show for the end of round tour. I remember Troy had an extra ticket. And I was fried that summer, and I thought, uh, six and a half hour drive, uh, I don't think I could do it, so I missed him then. 
Here's a here's another regret. So you may remember in 2004, the Beastie Boys presented at the MTV Video Music Awards in Miami, Florida. And prior to the VMAs, MTV would always team up with the charity Lifebeat and they would put on a concert. So that year, the Beastie Boys were performing the Lifebeat concert. Now, I could have gone to Miami and it would have been paid for, but I would have had to organize it with a production coordinator. And I thought, you know what? I've seen the Beastie Boys so many times in 2004 and I'm going to see them again in 2004. I, I don't need to see them down in Florida. They're not even performing at the VMAs and they're probably not even going to perform a full set at this Lifebeat concert. So I didn't go to Miami. No, I don't regret missing the Lifebeat concert. And I think if the Beastie Boys were performing at the VMAs this year, in addition to the Lifebeat concert, I think I would have gone to Miami. But because I was seeing them so much in 2004, I skipped out on the trip. And I missed out on a cool opportunity. I got a phone call from the director of the VMAs, and he said, Jim, are you down in Miami? And I said, no, why? And he said, well, uh, it, it doesn't matter. He's like, we were going to have the Beastie Boys present on stage at the VMAs with Sasquatch, and then Sasquatch was going to take his mask off to reveal that it was Don Johnson. We couldn't get Don Johnson, so we just want someone random in the Sasquatch suit. Could you be Sasquatch? And I said, e no, I can't because I'm not in Miami. So if I were in Miami that night, I would have been Sasquatch with the Beastie Boys as they presented at the MTV Video Music Awards. And as I watched the VMAs that year, I thought I could have been a better Sasquatch because I would have played along with the storyline that happened in Triple Trouble. But I never went to Miami, so I never got to be Sasquatch. So yes, there were a handful of times where I could have seen the Beastie Boys, but I didn't. But I am totally content and satisfied with the 20 times I saw them perform live. And I want to let all of you know, before we end this episode, all of those 20 times that I saw the Beastie Boys perform live, I savored every last second of all of those performances. I never took one performance for granted. And this may sound cheesy, but before all of these performances, I would take a little moment, I would pause, and I would say to myself, Jim, you're seeing your favorite band of all time right now. You never know when it's going to happen next. You never know when it's going to happen again. Enjoy it. And I went through that ritual every single time that I saw the Beastie Boys. And I think that little exercise prepared me for the future because I have no Beastie Boys regrets. Every time they took the stage and I was present, I savored every last drop. So there you go, the live log part two. So thank you for listening to the live log part one and the live log part two. If you need to get a hold of me, I am at Jim Shear on Twitter, or you can email me at beastiepodcast at gmail.com. So until next time, my name is Jim Shear, and I will see Yens later. That's it, that's all, that's all there is. Good morning.
we're going to end it on a one, two, three note. Are you ready? One, two, one, two, three. Ah! Get ready to bring the brew, ha ha. Get ready to bring the brew, ha ha. Get ready to bring the brew, ha ha.